Jonathan spoke to David and he said, You shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, David, that I might not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. Jonathan knew in his heart of hearts that David was going to be king, that his father's reign would end and that David would be king. Every creature is unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Oh, powerful, untamable, awestruck with. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. David made a covenant with Jonathan in 1 Samuel 20, promising to show kindness to his descendants. David gladly made good on his promise, though Jonathan was already dead. David simply promised Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, that he would receive what was his. Mephibosheth knew about his inheritance all along, but he was afraid to take possession of it because it would expose him before the king. David went against all custom in showing such kindness to an heir of the former dynasty. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 8 and 9. Because David's heart was thus, right? That's the way his heart was. And I love this. David never had a grudge against Saul. Even though Saul hated David, he would do anything to exterminate David. But David didn't have any problem with Saul. He didn't have any problem with the tribe of Benjamin. They were his brothers. The Judah and Benjamin, they were brothers. He didn't have any problem with him, but Saul and his family had a problem with David. But now David becomes king. He didn't have to do this, but just out of the kindness, again, of his heart. And doesn't that sound like the heart of Christ? You know, after all that we have done to him, after all mankind has done to him, I'm convinced that if Christ were to come back today, he would still be crucified, probably quicker. And yet, Jesus loves. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What kind of love is that? That's the kind of love that changes lives. When a love like that gets a hold of your life, it changes you forever, and you are no longer the same person ever again. That kind of love captured, raptured my heart, and yours, hopefully as well. But that was David's true heart. And there was a servant, now notice, of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. That's a really good way to respond to the king. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still the son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. 
And then King David sent, and he brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, Amiel from Lodibar. And now when Mephibosheth, that was his name, that was Jonathan's son's name, Saul's grandson is named Mephibosheth, and also David's best friend in the whole world, his one confidant that he had, Jonathan, his son, Mephibosheth, is still alive, and he's lame in his feet. In fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 4, we, we were reminded what caused him to be lame on his feet. Because right before, right when the news of Saul and his, other, his sons, his other sons, when they had died on the battlefield against the Philistines, in verse 4 of 2 Samuel 4, it says, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. So somehow when she held him and she was running, she tripped or he fell and he broke his leg. He did something where it had permanent damage where he couldn't walk again. And that was out of grief. The poor woman had just heard about that her son's you know, father and grandfather were just killed in battle. What horrible news could that be? How much more horrible could it be? But notice what happened. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the, all the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Are you kidding me? That's like going to being in the White House and being fed, you know, sitting at the president's table. And then Mephibosheth, he bowed himself and he said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am? I'm, I'm worth nothing, David. My, whole, my grandfather tried to kill you, and yet here I am, and you've, you're restoring me all my, all my grandfather's land, and you're not only doing that, but you're going to give me food to eat? You're going to have the servants wait on me at your table? Who does that sound like to you? It sounds like Jesus taking us while we were in that lowly state, in that helpless state, hopeless state. There's nothing we could do for ourselves, reckless, hopeless, in our sin, completely, you know, uh, condemned. And then God says, oh, but you're not condemned. Take my hand. I've got a buffet for you. I've got a life for you. And have you experienced that life tonight? The very life of Christ. I know that you all have. Pray that you would experience it even greater and even to more frequency, a greater frequency, to greater depths and heights and widths, and that we would all just experience the great love of God like that, the compassion, the grace of God, the mercy of God. Look at the mercy. It's just dripping all over this. I actually wept in my office this morning reading this again. I was thinking, I put myself in his shoes, you know, Mephibosheth. And I thought, man, I was there. All of us were, right? At some point, you hit that bottom and you realize, have you had that moment? We just realize you're, you're nothing. You're worth nothing. Literally, I'm not worth nothing to anybody. And I think the one who spoke it all into existence says, oh, I got a great plan. Rise up. I got a plan for your life. I'm going to do something great in your life. And you're like, I don't deserve it. It's not about you. It's about me. It's about my goodness toward you. <laughs> what do you do with that? You worship, right? 
That's what you do. I've been, I love worshiping God. I love worshiping Jesus Christ. It's, a very, it's our reasonable service, it tells us in Romans 12. It's our reasonable service to worship him. After all that he's done, he's pulled us out of the miry pit. Out of the miry pit, he's pulled us. How could I ever repay him? I give my life to you, God. Would you give your life afresh tonight to him? Say, God, from now on, I'm done with my plan. I want to know what your plan is. Even if it means a change in vocation. Even if it means going to a different state, a different country, or staying right here in the United States, believe me, mission, missionaries were sent from other You know, we, we used to send missionaries from our country to other countries so that they might know Christ. Now we need them to come back. But Mephibosheth said, what, are you, what is your servant that you should look upon me as such a dead dog? And David did this. Why did he do this? Just out of the benevolence of his heart? Yes, but David was also faithful. Why? Because remember, before the second to the last time that David and Jonathan ever saw each other, before Jonathan would die on the battlefield, remember Jonathan spoke to David. You might want to write this in the margin of your Bible. It's 1 Samuel chapter 20, beginning in verse 14. 1 Samuel 20, beginning in verse 14. And what does it say? Jonathan spoke to David. He said, You shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, David, that I might not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. Jonathan knew in his heart of hearts that David was going to be king, that his father's reign would end and that David would be king. And David and Jonathan were knit together. They had a love for each other that surpassed the love of women for a, a woman for a man. And this was not some kind of weird, strange thing. No, this was just genuine, brotherly love. I love that. They just, they loved each other. They were committed to each other. They would both fall on the sword for each other. Have you have a friend like that? My goodness. I wish I had a friend like that. Somebody who would just do, you know, who would fall on the sword for you. But notice what he says. This is the covenant that they make between themselves. He says, but you shall, and, and Jonathan is speaking to David. He says, you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not yet when the Lord has cut off every one of your enemies, of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him and he loved him as he loved his own soul. And so he made this promise, this vow to David. David made the vow to Jonathan that when, if something happens to Saul and Jonathan, that David would not snuff out his family. And David was true to that. And here is proof positive. In this chapter, in chapter 9, David says, is there anyone of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. Oh, I love, can you imagine the stories they told at the dinner table? I remember when I fought with your, with your father. I remember when we made this covenant between you. I remember the, just the love that we had for each other. And I bet Mephibosheth just going, wow. Just reminiscing about the, the deep friendship, the deep connection that they had together. And David kept his oath that he made. He didn't ignore it, even though he was king over Israel and could have just ignored it. But David was a man of his word. He was a man of integrity. He, but he was not without his faults, was he? 
In Numbers 30, verse 2, it says this about making an oath. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall not do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. God holds vows and promises very very seriously, and we need to be very careful. I'm trying not to vow or to promise anybody anything, because it really is in my power to make a promise that I don't even know, I don't even have control over things to be able to make the promise sometime. You know, you can say, I promise I'll be there tomorrow, but hey, guess what? Tomorrow morning your car gets flat. Your alarm clock doesn't go off because an electric storm knocked out your power. You wake up late and you were supposed to be there an hour ago. Can I make a promise and follow through with it? I can't. So why should I make promises? It'd be better if I say, if the Lord wills, I'll be there. Right? Instead of making an oath, oh, I'll be there for you, brother. I'll, I'll be right there, you know. And then people are like, you said you were going to be there. Where were you? In my darkest hour, where were you? Where, you're nowhere to be found. I thought you were my friend. Oh, man, I, I'm sorry. My favorite show came on. And it was the season finale, and I'm really sorry, man. Jesus said this. Again, you've heard it say that, and this is Matthew 5, 33. It's been said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, don't swear at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And isn't that the truth? Always excuses. Excuses, excuses. I can make all the excuses in the world. It's just better to make my yes, yes, and no, no. Don't say, well, you know, maybe. Make your your yes. Don't make a promise that you can't keep. Don't make a vow that you can't follow through with. Are you a person of your word? You know, there, there was a time in America where a man's word was his bond. You could actually shake hands with another man that you borrowed money from and promise to pay him that money back, and it was as good as done. There was no need for some kind of contract or, or, or legal binding certificate or some kind of legal document. It was just a shake on the hand, and it was good as done. But now, there's a contract for everything. You go into Wegmans, there's a little spill on the floor. Some kid came in with his Slurpee and spilled a little on the floor. They haven't even gotten to it yet, and somebody behind him slips, and they sue Wegmans for $3 million, right? And the guy's coming with the cone that says caution, you know. Now they've got to put a, somebody sneezes on the floor, and they've got to put a caution thing because, God forbid, somebody slip on it and litigate. I mean, haven't we gotten crazy? We're just so happy, anything and everything. My brakes failed on my brand new car. I'm going to sue, you know. I'm going to sue. I'm going to sue. <laughs> Everything's a contract. Everything's a promissory. I promise to pay it back. No, I don't. But notice verse 9. So the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul. Because Ziba was now going to be a servant of Mephibosheth. Because Ziba was a servant of his grandfather. So now Ziba is going to, and his sons are going to take care of all of that land that is going to be tilled for, um, for produce, for grapes and whatever. 
He says, you therefore, Ziba, you and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, for Mephibosheth, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. And I love that. You know, again, that that's the attitude of a king, our king, Jesus. When he asks for us something to do, do we argue with him? No, I don't really feel like it, Lord. I'm not really called to do it. I'm not really gifted to do that. Can you imagine? I mean, when God called Moses to go to Pharaoh and speak to him, what was Moses' excuse? I really can't speak that well. What do you mean you can't speak well? You grew up and for 40 years you were in the very best schools. You went to Harvard and Yale and Egypt. You could write thesis papers in different languages, probably. Now you can't speak? Can't speak? Excuse. But our response to the King of Kings ought to be, Lord, whatever you want. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, that's what I want to do. I remember making that commitment to the Lord, and I hope I'm still in that same heart. It's good to be in that place. And I, I pray that we all you know, get to that place or be honest with yourself. I, I think it's good to be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, my heart is really not there yet. There, there's just, you know, I want to give you the keys to my whole entire being, but there's some compartments, there's some rooms that I'm just not ready to give you the key yet. And God says, that's okay. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to force you. Isn't that what a great father does? When you think of Jesus being the, you know, we're the bride of Christ and he's the bridegroom. He doesn't force his bride and say, you better do this, you better do the dishes and you better do this and you better do that. No, he he doesn't do that. We come of our own volition, but if we really understand the depth of what he has done for us, of all that he has delivered us from, it ought to be something like, I get to do that, Lord. I get to give you my life. I get to I get, I, I, I get to do whatever it is that you want me to do. And guess what? And what he calls you to do, he's going to make sure that you're prepared to do it. We don't always feel like we're prepared. Did Moses feel like he was prepared? He says, just go do it. Don't worry about your speech. He loves to use the foolish things of the world, the things that are abased and that nobody else wants. The world you know, just casts it away. God says, I'll, I'll take that. The bin right there that says good for nothing, I'm going to do my greatest work in that bin right there. I'm going to start pulling people out. I'm going to make you a prince. I'm going to make you a king. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Things you had no idea that I could do. Think of, think of it. It's just amazing. Think of Joseph being sold into slavery to the Ishmaelites. He's like, he's a slave now. His brothers have gone. He's like, I'm dead. I'm just going to grind away in some prison somewhere. And God says, oh, no, I'm, make, I'm going to make you number two man in the whole world. How's that? Yes. He does things like that. He loves to take those things. Mephibosheth says, what shall I... I'm like a dead dog. You're going to do this for me? And Ziba is so willing to be a servant. Be willing to be a servant of God. Whatever he calls you to do. It may be something big. It may be something small. I remember for years, I just cleaned toilets and I washed tables and I wiped floors for years here in this fellowship. And I loved doing it. 
I didn't have a problem with it. I can still do a toilet. I can still clean a toilet. I don't have a problem with cleaning toilets. Just be a servant. And whatever you find yourself, do. Just do it as under the Lord and be thankful that you get to do something for him that makes a difference. Yes, all these little things make a difference. We're all many members of one body, right? We can't do all the same thing, but there's some people who get to do the bigger things or what we perceive as bigger. But let me tell you something. Every little thing in the kingdom of God is important because it all works together for what? To glorify him. Whether it's a clean sidewalk, a a clean urinal, uh, a clean bathroom, a clean floor, uh, chairs that are straightened out, uh, a vacuum floor, a neat-looking place that doesn't have bees. All these things are important, right? Right? And Ziba is just like, I'll do whatever you want, king. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a younger son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. I love that. And so Mephibosheth, verse 13, dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. Again, we are going to have to stop there. I was anticipating getting into the next chapter, but we're going to take communion. But as we take communion tonight, think of just the, the, the type that we see here in David and his response to Mephibosheth, this poor, helpless, beggarly person who nobody had eyes for, just kind of like the off-scouring, you know, just go away, boy, you bother me kind of thing. Right? We were there, weren't we? I was there. And to think of the compassion of Christ. We see it in David, the heart of David. And certainly the Lord put that in David. David had no credit to give to himself for what God was doing. He was molding and shaping this man. In fact, all the things that David went through was, was, was coming out in his character. His character was being molded and shaped by God, even the most difficult times in his life. The great heights when he slew Goliath to the running and acting like a fool before you know, the, um, the Philistine king. Doing those foolish things. All those things, God says, I'm working it for the good, David. And that to me is why Romans 8.28 is such a sweet scripture. All things, not just the good things, but I think sometimes the things that we are ashamed of, the things that we wished had never happened, the things that had been done to us, the things that we got ourselves involved in, all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purposes. Because when God can rescue me from drug addiction, when he can rescue somebody from sexual addiction, when he can rescue somebody from whatever it is, you name what it is, you become a trophy now that can go and you can share that same message with somebody else who's wrapped up in that same sin that you used to be in. And you can say, hey, listen, I used to be there. I used to be the guy in the alleyway with the needle hanging out of my arm. I used to be that drunk on the floor vomiting all over the place. I used to be that. I used to be a thief. I used to be a robber. I used to kill people for a living. But guess what? I'm saved. And I know where I'm going because of him, because of Jesus Christ. And you look at David, how he treated Mephibosheth, and that's the way Jesus treats us. Sit up at the table. Aren't you going to sit at his table one day? Aren't we all going to sit at his table? I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.